We are now live. This is the Knicks Recap Podcast. I'm your host, Troy, and I have a very, very special guest with me today. He's a local Twitter favorite, actually, in terms of the spaces. He visits it quite often. We had a lot of great discussions there. My very good friend, favorite, one of my favorite journalists, actually, NBA writer for uh, USA Today Sports. And not only that, he also hosts a podcast for Hoops Hype as well. You see it in the background right there. My guy, Michael Scotto. What's going on, Mike? Thanks for joining the show today. Sure, Troy. It's good to be back with you. I hope everything's going well. How am I sounding? Oh, you sound perfect now. You sound beautiful. I'm very, very excited to have you on. Obviously, we have so much to talk about with you. I don't want to keep you for too long. I know you're pressed for time. But again, for me, it means a lot speaking with you, somebody who covers the league, covers all these teams, and actually gets a chance to talk to some of these players. And one of the things that I had to talk about with you, we had a little joke about it, actually. Uh, Mm -hmm. The New York Knicks offseasons. Failed to meet expectations kind of sounds, uh, it sounds appropriate a little bit because the New York Knicks signed Dante DiVincenzo, 50 uh, million over four years, extended Josh Hart, four years, 81 million. When we talked about this yesterday, you didn't give me that Josh Hart one because he was already part of the team. So you really just said you had Dante DiVincenzo. So what do you think about the New York Knicks and their offseason? Did they fail to meet expectations given all the hype with all the stars and all the connections headed into the offseason? I mean, Troy, my thought was, I mean, everybody and their mother knew that Josh Hart was going to stay with the Knicks long term. I mean, I I had written about it. I think Fred Katz as well, other people um, across the league. So that, that just wasn't a surprise to me. Um, I think the way he did it, just, you know, opting in and then extending, like maybe that was the difference. Um, but in terms of like Dante DiVincenzo, that was a prime target for them. Right. Um, given the chemistry he had previously with Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart. Um, you know, there is a clear Villanova connection. Obviously, Ryan Archie Diacono staying as well. Good locker room guy. Um, Jalen's closest friends on the team. I think that ultimately, when you know, when you talk about stars, um, the Knicks have a lot of chips to get a star, but it hasn't been the right timing yet. And you know, I don't think a guy like you know, Zach Levine had been floated out there just across the league and then think that that was the guy um you know we'll, we'll get into more guys that they can get but i thought right now they're like incrementally improving i think the difference is when you see teams like boston and milwaukee make these blockbuster moves you now have more of a cap on the ceiling of the knicks for this season i still think they have plenty of assets to get a star um, if and when one becomes available. But for now, I think certainly, you know, Boston and Milwaukee are the class of the East right now. And they seem to be dominating there, I mean, as well, because they were, let's be honest there, we, nobody, we all thought Milwaukee and Boston going into it before the trades, that they were the top teams. It's even more solidified now. Um, I, yeah. think, I think the, the main part about it, though, is that even though that's the case, do you still feel like the, the third spot in the East is still open? Because I feel like all, besides those two, I mean, you could make the argument, the Wizards, the Cavs, I guess, right? But what other team do you think could even lock up that third spot? I think the Knicks have a good shot of, of taking it. Do you agree? Or? I mean, I'm looking at a, a bunch of teams in that third spot. I think it's open. I think you can look at, in, in no particular order, I think you could look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, another year with chemistry and an important year for them with Donovan Mitchell ever so getting closer to his player option, which he can decline and and, and free agent down the line. They still got a little bit of time, but yeah. Um, you know, his name will 
pop up. I think you have to look at the Miami Heat, of course, if Jimmy Butler can stay healthy and Bam out of bio. Certainly the Knicks as well, um, given the continuity they have. And, you know, one thing about Julius Randle, knock on wood, he's been available for the Knicks. Jalen Brunson has been available. Um, they've had durable guys. So I think that that matters for them and their candidacy to get the third seed. Um, Philadelphia is certainly a wild card, I think, at this point, given the James Harden situation. Um, so time will tell with that a little bit. If, if they trade Harden, I don't know if you're going to be able to replace him, his production, uh, given potential moves that they can make with the Clippers. Um, you know, and then that starts a whole domino effect. You know, again, we'll talk about potential stars, you know, down the line. But James Harden's future is directly going to affect, I think, Joel Embiid. And in terms of, you know, where the ceiling is going to be for this Philadelphia 76ers team. Um, you know, they got a rising star in Tyrese Maxey, in my opinion. You got Tobias Harris in the last year of his contract. You know, they, they've got a lot of cap space coming up in 2024, but cap space, you know, you can use it for a trade. You can use it in free agency. But eventually, I think the clock will be ticking there because you have a year to use that that money in that space. And if you don't use it effectively, where does that put Philly in the grand scheme of things in the East? Very, very good points there as well, Mike. Uh, I think, again, the Philly situation for me, I have a side eye on it almost every day. I think the entire offseason, I probably dropped maybe six or seven and beat videos throughout. And it really wasn't that much of an update besides maybe Leon Rose attending the wedding, right? So, I mean, uh, you know, there, there's those things happening as well. But one of the things I wanted to talk to you about as well, you did a great report. Shout out to Mike. He's always doing so many great reports for Hoops Hype. One of the things you did as well, too, and uh, all our viewers can see it on the screen right now, for Hoops Hype, you mentioned that uh, Jam Grant from the Portland Trailblazers, who becomes mm -hmm. trade eligible January 15th, is expected to become available before the trade deadline, um, obviously following the Lillard trade. Now, mm -hmm. I love Grant. I think he's great defensively. I think he's scrappy. I think, um, obviously, with size right now, he kind of fits the modern big. What Bam's like, yeah. what, 6'9"? He's 6'8". So I think he'd play a great center role as well. I'm not saying the Knicks want to move on from Mitch, but let's say they wanted more offensive firepower. I don't think you could do better than, than Grant, especially in terms of price. And you know what Leon Rose and how he works with that. What do you think about um, the Knicks potentially going after Grant at the trade deadline? For me, first, well, first off, I mean, a couple things. One, a lot of that reporting, you know, executives around the league are thinking that, you know, Portland will tell you like, nah, you know, he's a part of the future. And, you know, when we signed him, you know, he's still 28, 29. He could still fit the timeline. Rival executives around the league do not agree with that. They don't think that that's um, that, that he's an ideal fit for that timeline, especially if they're going to go like a full rebuild and really give Scoot Henderson the keys now with Dame Lillard gone. In terms of Jeremy Grant, the big thing that changed for him last year was his three-point shooting efficiency. Um, there's some question whether that can be sustainable long-term or not. Time will tell. But I think, you know, in terms of your question for the Knicks, um, it might be a little interesting for them to try to get more towards matching salaries. I think, you know, it would be certainly more than a guy like – you mentioned Mitch Robinson. I think it would be more than that. But I don't know if ideally the Knicks would – push their chips in for Jeremy Grant. I think they're looking more big star hunting if they can, ideally. And that would be the preface, um, you know, for, for the Knicks. Because how much of a difference is Jeremy Grant than Julius Randle at this point? I, I don't think 
I don't think it's enough personally to move the needle um, where they would give up, you know, draft picks and, and what Portland would want for down the line. I think Jeremy Grant is the type of guy that's going to be on a really good playoff team, your third or fourth guy that's going to take you over the hump and you feel can give you a shot the way, just for example, the way Denver got Aaron Gordon, the way they got Bruce Brown, and that was like the missing pieces for them to take that next step. So who's that team that was gonna is going to look at Jeremy Grant and say, all right, he's got a big contract now, but is this the guy that's a two-way player, plays both sides of the ball, is he that complimentary starting player that can take us to that next level. And Jeremy also has to be receptive to that. Um, you know, that's why he left Denver in the first place. Now he's had a chance to spread his wings and his teams haven't been, you know, nearly as good in the, in the win-loss column as Denver. So that's a question for Jeremy as well that he has to answer if he's going to be on the move to a, a, a contending team or a playoff, a high playoff caliber team. You know, I, I hear you on that, and I, I, I get it as well, too. I think, obviously, with Tom Thibodeau as well being the head coach, he loves his centers to, you know, be really be rebounding uh, type of centers, offensive uh, monsters, getting those boards, putbacks, things like that. So, and, and obviously, great uh, pick-and-roll defense. He loves that type of stuff. Mitchell Robinson offers a lot of that. Grant, while he's a great defender, obviously, he's not the same defender as Robinson, but then, obviously, on the offensive side, I think he's great. I, I, think, I just think he's a four. I don't even think, like, even yeah. in a small ball NBA, I don't think you can put him at five because then you'd have to move Julius to the five. And I don't, <laughs> I don't think, like, I don't think that would be a good fit for the both of them. I think, again, I think they do similar things. They operate in similar spaces. Right. It would almost be like when the Knicks had Eddie Curry and Zach Randolph, too much of a clash of style of play. Oh, man, you just brought me a, a heartbreak in the morning. I don't even know how I can recover from that, Mike. <laughs> Let's, you know what? Let's go. You know, this is how I recover from that. Let's go over to a real five, somebody who can really take us to the next level, if we were to get him. The news of the offseason, uh, odds the Knicks land Joel Embiid. I think that was the main question I think every single fan I interacted with had with you because obviously sure. if anybody's not, you know, sleeping under a rock here, Joel Embiid and that situation in Philadelphia – Everybody's yeah. watching it. Everybody's heard the reports. I've heard from a number of different uh, NBA sources that I, you know, trust and believe and read on a daily basis that have linked Joel Embiid to the Knicks if he were to be traded or leave Philadelphia. What's your read on the Joel situation um, with the New York Knicks? Is there even a possibility or a shot the Knicks can acquire him at this point in time? I think it's multi-layered. So first off, I think this season, when you talk about um, Joel Embiid, I don't see Philadelphia looking to move him at all. Not now, not this season. Because what Philadelphia is going to do, either they're going to keep James Harden and try to ride this out or not, regardless, whether he's traded or not, ultimately, the the view is, well, from Philadelphia's perspective, they have max cap space in, in the summer of 2024. And it's almost like a tool to say, look, Joel, whatever happens this season, if you're Daryl Moore, you're saying, give me a chance to see what happens with Harden. We go from there. They have the cap space where they can sign a guy. They could trade for a star if they want. Um, because some some teams around the league have stars that have big contracts that they may feel like they have to move because of the new luxury tax aprons and the restrictions, more importantly, that they're putting on teams. So – Everybody's kind of in a wait-and-see pattern. And as you get closer to 
the trade deadline of the season, teams fail to meet expectations. It happens every year. You know, we saw with Minnesota, for example, they thought Rudy Gobert was the missing piece. It did not materialize that way. So, um, you know, I think for the Knicks, the way that if you're a Knicks fan, the way that Joel Embiid would come to the Knicks, it's a multi-step process. And the first one would be Joel's got to be the one to either – he's got to demand a trade, whether that's, you know, through a backdoor channel with the media. Um, it's got to get out there that he, he wouldn't want to be there. And on the flip side of that, as we saw with Damian Lillard, who – essentially made it clear he wanted to go to Miami, even though he didn't publicly say, you know, Miami, but, you know, he would Instagram live and, and you know, throw those subtle hints. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't mean that just because the player wants to go to a certain destination, um, that's not going to be the case. You know, one thing about Daryl Morey, as we saw with the James Harden-Ben Simmons negotiations, he, I think of him as like Tropicana orange juice. He's trying to squeeze all the pulp out of the orange and get the, the most out of any trade. Um, and so for the Knicks, asset-wise, they have a boatload, a cupboard, whatever you know, adjective, analogy you want to say. They have plenty of draft picks yeah. that they can use. You know, you would have to look at like Mitch Robinson, Julius Randle, guys like that. Um, and then some of your maybe younger guards, I think, with picks. It, it, it would be a lot. And so you have to decide if you're the Knicks at that point, is it worth it to give up all the treasure chest of everything that you've been saving and building up for Embiid, who does carry injury risk, um, you know, and you have to watch his minutes. But, I mean, in my opinion, the guy's the MVP for a reason. You know, whether you think Jokic was better or not, he's elite. I think that's the type of guy. Um, other than that, you know, let's say – if you were to say to me, well, who else could they get, right? I think you have to look at a tier below Joel Embiid, and you could say, you know, uh, an all-star, let's say all-star caliber guys. You could look at, you know, I, I certainly think Carl Towns with the Timberwolves, they've got to figure out what they're doing there with that front court with him and Rudy Gobert. It was not an ideal fit. They're going to try to give it another shot this season, hopefully with everyone healthy. Carl missed time last year. See how it goes. Um, Carl's making a boatload of money after getting that max extension. Yeah. Then you have, uh, I think, you know, there's going to be plenty of whispers, I'm sure, about Donovan Mitchell, um, depending on how Cleveland does. And for Donovan, again, he's got a player option coming up, I think, in two years, three years. I have to, I have to double check, but – that's essentially a bargaining chip for him where he can decline that and become a free agent earlier, which I think he would. Um, so, you know, slowly the clock is going to be ticking on Cleveland to win and take that next step as a franchise. And they showed some glimpses last year, but I think they've got to take another step forward um, this year for sure. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. I mean, for me, you know, Donovan, I, do, do you think that Donovan Mitchell is the most realistic? Because for me, I feel like out of everybody we talk about, he is the mm -hmm. most realistic star the Knicks can actually get a chance to go after. Just given the ties, the fact that he more or less controls his own destiny at this point in time, more than any other star that they're rumored to get. And they don't have to deal with Daryl Morey in that situation. I think even the package might mm -hmm. be a little less because a lot of people around the league know that he wants to go to New York. I think... 
With Donovan, I mean, Cleveland's going to try to make their best push now this season and really see what the team has. So, again, I think it could be a situation where you might have to wait a year. Unless the only way I think it would change is if they somehow implode and, you know, they're injury ridden, you know, and and things totally go off the rails. But I I still look at Carl as a guy that um, potentially, you know, the Knicks have plenty of ties to as well. It could make sense, Um, you know, from Leon being a former agent, Gerson Roses being in the front office. We just had him in Minnesota. Yeah. and Gerson just got elevated to a new job title and a, and a promotion within New York. Yeah, senior um, VP, man. That's a huge role. He's basically the brain trust with uh, William Wesley and Leon Rose now in terms of decision-making, so. Yeah, and, you know, if you want to call that, you know, that that trio, exactly. So to me, you know, I think after the dream scenario for the Knicks of Embiid, you then go down to that all-star caliber tier and you look at those two guys. That's very interesting, actually, because I haven't really heard it put that way. It, it might be the case where they're looking at Embiid, and until that situation resolved itself, they won't go to that next tier, which is basically the all-star level of, you know, the Donovans or the OGs or the Pascals or whoever else is available. I think that's a really good point, Mike. I, I also And, want, and but, it's different compensation, Troy. I mean, I think right. Joel, you know, is the boatload, everything. Donovan Mitchell's contract situation maybe makes it that he would command less in terms of draft pick compensation. Carl Towns, because of the contract, it's a lot of money. You know, you're eventually talking somewhere in the $60 million range. I have to look at the exact numbers, but that's a lot of money. And ironically, the Knicks are positioned where, you know, Brunson, when everybody was screaming that, you know, that was an overpay, he's now underpaid, I think. <laughs> he's very much and, so. And, you know, Julius Randle is um, – I think you can make an argument he's either fairly paid or maybe slightly under. Like, they got a good contract in him. Agreed. Um, Josh Hart, we'll see. You know, Devin Gentle, but these are role guys. Yeah. You know, quickly quickly is going to be the next big decision for them. You know, Mike, you know what I love about you the most? It's like you know exactly where we're going with things because we are headed down the quickly path. Emmanuel quickly may be set to receive a massive contract. And you know, Mike, I think I have you to blame for this because I read your report about a couple, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe during the summer, you had Ian Bagley on, I believe, as well, too. And I remember Mm -hmm. the numbers that I read. You shocked me when you said his ceiling was $100 and the floor would be 80 Because for me, I feel like his ceiling should be 80 given what we saw in the playoffs. But when you said that, I mean, going into the the postseason, I thought, yeah, he's right, $100 absolutely. I can see that. But I think the postseason hurt his value. So what what's the what are you hearing now with the contract situation with Emmanuel quickly? Is the is the number for the ceiling still a hundred or has it lowered at any? I think for the Knicks, they want it to be at 80, you know, like a, a four for 80. I think for quick, you'd like it more four for a hundred. And what the interesting scenario is there is um, you know, when teams around the league are looking at a restricted free agent, it's been tough to get offer sheets. Uh, over the past few summers, you know, DeAndre Ayton was one of the exceptions. But for the most part, if a guy's switching teams, it's be a sign and trade. And so if you're going to do that, you also want to make it to a level where for the Knicks, you're going to you're going to squeeze them and not make them want to go that high. Um, you know, is there a world where it's somewhere in between, you know, 20 and 25 and maybe it's like 22 and a half, maybe. 
maybe there's a world where that, I mean, we just saw the Cam Johnson deal with the Nets. I know it's, you know, bigger than that overall, but the guaranteed money without bonuses is more, I think it's like, I remember what I reported, I think it was 93 million or so. So, um, you know, that changes things a little bit. I, I think for IQ, first of all, it's also how you're evaluating him. I think, you know, him, he's probably looking at himself, even though he came off the bench as a starting caliber guy. And if you look at like the 20 games he started, he, he had good numbers. So you got to take that into account if you're another team. He'd be an upgrade over a lot of other guards in the league on other teams. Um, I think ultimately, as I said, you know, for the Knicks, they'd like it to be closer to 20 million, maybe high teens, 20, you know, cap uh, for quick. Closer to that 25 range, ideally, if he can get it per year. That's an amazing update. I'm glad the Knicks are, are at that level with me because honestly, that, that sounds realistic. That sounds like something I can get behind. 80 million, maybe a little bit less than that. I'm okay with that because I can I could still think of the 81 million we gave Josh Hart. You give another 80 to quickly. That's 160 million on the bench. And, and Troy, the, the, you know, the last thing I would say on that is like, yeah. you can make that your base, but you can have bonuses in there that were some are retainable, some are not. Right. You know, where it it's conducive to both sides. I, I don't think it's just a flat, well, especially with the way the contracts are now. I don't think it's just this flat salary and that's it there's all type of incentive clauses you can throw whether it's six man all-star you, you name it anything um you, you can write the language how, how you want for both sides but i i would think there's a middle ground if both sides want it to be now if quickly wants a bigger role theoretically that's where it gets interesting because jalen brunson's the face of the franchise yeah so he's not supplanting brunson so, you know, and I don't think you're going to put him with uh, in the backcourt together necessarily starting long term with uh, Jalen because you got RJ there. You've got the, he's got better size. I, I think that would be a little tough. I think ideally for the Knicks, he's in like the perfect role. But does Emmanuel quickly want to be more of a starter and have more minutes and, and do what he did around those 20 games? where he had a chance to play when RJ got hurt uh, earlier in the year and he showed flashes. So that's, I think what you got to look forward to. Luckily for the Knicks, they have the season ahead and you know, time will tell, but they got to figure out they're going to do something before the season or not. So uh, if they're going to do an extension or not for uh, you know his rookie scale. We'll I, I love Emmanuel quickly. I think he uh, I think he deserves a, a contract extension, a fair one. I think if the Knicks can do that, that's fair. Um, I think he can, personally for me, I've said it for a while, he should start right with Jalen Brunson. I, fi- I think that the Knicks want to attach him with a star at some point. If that's the case, increase his value. You're going to want to increase his value as a starter. And he did good as a starter before as well, too. I think that's the route for him, in my opinion, whether it happens or not. It's to be seen. I don't think Tom Thibodeau is really going to adjust much. I mean, he more or less said so at media day that he likes what he saw last year. So I expect to see more or less the same. I don't want to keep it too much longer. I want to get to this last question, then some fan uh, questions as well, too, for you, Mike. Uh, this, this last question, I, I love my guy, Mark. My man, Mark Berman, I had him on the show, uh, I think, a couple days ago. He drops a lot of gems. He gives me a lot of uh, flack on some of the beat writers nowadays as well, too. I love talking to, uh, to him, though. But one of the things he mentioned, I thought it was a hot take is that he said that if Leon Rose doesn't get a star in here soon, 
that he could potentially be on the hot seat. What do you think about that? Is, do you think there's any truth to that? I mean, I think Leon's got time. First of all, Mark, Mark, start, Mark, starting it up. Classic, classic <laughs> Um, I, you know, I thought it when as you're telling me that, I don't know why I thought of Mitchell Robinson being like, relax, relax. Um, I just feel like with Leon Rose and the Knicks regime, it's like you got to give it another. I think another summer till 2024 because. There's a lot of dominoes in play where, and when I say that, I mean that in terms of getting a star. I don't think they're on a, a hot seat right now. They've made the playoffs the majority of the time while Leon and company have been in charge. Jalen Brunson's been a home run for them. Now, granted, Evan Fournier and some other contracts were not. But for the most part, it, it, it's been an overall net positive. Um in terms of the transactional moves. So for the Knicks, again, I think if you really want to land a guy like Embiid, you got to – I just think the logistics of it would take at least another summer, depending on, you know, what happens with Harden. You know, same thing with Carl Towns. Like Minnesota's going into the season trying to see where it is. Same thing with the Cavaliers. They want to see if, you know, it, they can take it to that next level as a team. These are things that you're just going to have to wait and see. I know everybody wants an answer immediately, but that's yeah. not the reality. But these are things that are in the, in the forefront of the background. So to me, I, I don't think the term hot seat, I, I personally wouldn't agree with that. But they've certainly wanted to get a star. Um, and I think within the next year or so, that would be the time if it's going to happen. I, abso I absolutely agree. I think Leon Rose's clock is ticking, in my, my opinion. Not like in terms of an urgent thing, but in terms of being able to make that star move. I think that's been the, the story you've heard since he's came in. It's a story we're still hearing, and I feel like a move is going to have to happen. I absolutely agree. I think next summer is the perfect shot for it to happen because that's when all the storylines get a little bit more resolved. Cavs have another season, whether they fail or not. Philly, what happens there, whether they fail or not. A lot of things can push people to make other decisions. But I see you guys in the chat. I know you guys want to ask Mike a question. Before you do, make sure you are subscribed to the channel. We're going to have a lot more guests. We have Mike on. We have Mark on as well, too. We're going to have a lot of other guests as well on. And hopefully, we can get Mike back on again, maybe sometime either during an all-star break or sometime during the season. We'll try to rustle him through and get him through. And also, he's on Spaces a lot as well, too. He is a guy who talks to the people. I love that. So, uh, let me see. We I, like I, I do like the Spaces. I'm probably one of the... Uh... For, for an NBA national guy, I'm probably one of the few that, that dives in as much because I, I get a kick out of it sometimes, especially if I'm coming home from the arena right? and I'm coming home from the garden, Barclays, anywhere. It's it's fun to, to be in the Uber or the Lyft home and, and hear the commentary back and forth a little bit. And by the way, if you guys haven't heard, there's a different Scotto you get on Spaces. The one-liners he gives on Spaces, I, I kid you not, every single space I've been on with him, he's given me a one-liner that I had to clip. I, 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 I'm not kidding. Every single time. He's that good. I see some of your questions here. Edward, what do you have here? Okay, Edward says, what about uh, Shane Gill? Oh, Shay Gillis-Alexander trade? No, uh <laughs> absolutely not. Shane <laughs> Gillis-Alexander is not going anywhere. The Oklahoma City Thunder gave this guy max money for a reason. Yeah. Franchise guy. Not not going anywhere. Yeah, sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. I agree, too. He, he's maxed. They have a lot going on with Chet over there. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, no. My guy from Jay, uh, Jay from East New York says, in your opinion, uh, Mike, does Embiid want New York? Does Embiid actually want to come to New York? I think 
What, what do you think on that, actually? He's actually never really said anything about coming to New York. But what is the read would, on that? I don't think he would ever publicly. First of all, he can't. Right. For <laughs> finding purposes. But, like, um, I mean, I think Joel Embiid is a guy that's a star, and he's got the magnetic personality for it. I think he would thrive in New York. Um, I mean, this is what I would say about Embiid. In his heart, I do think like he would love it to work in Philly. He's he's always loved Philly. Yeah. But the reality of the situation is it's time for him to win and he knows it. And he said it. Like if he thinks, you know, there's a better opportunity. It's it's almost like the the Giannis Antetokounmpo thing. If there's a better situation where he can win, yeah, it's very crystal clear, then I think that's gonna change the the, the calculus for him. I do I, I could see that. Time will tell. Again, this is a pivotal season for the Philadelphia 76er franchise. I can't stress that enough. I really can't. The, the follow-up to that, another person asked, um, is it possible that if they did make a trade, because I think everybody was talking about who would be left on the team after a trade like that. Obviously, either Randall or, or Barrett would have to be in one of those type of trade deals, possibly both of them, depending. Uh, what are your, what's your feeling? Do you think Embiid and Randall potentially be on the team together? Is that a vision you think the Knicks have? I don't think from salary logistics that would happen. Right. I think, you know, Julius makes too much money. If you're gonna if you're gonna try to even it out, I think he would I think he would go in a theoretical trade for Embiid. And this is my last question before we let Mike Scotto go is the OG saga in Toronto, uh, one fan's asking, is it over or um, should the Knicks keep chasing OG? Because, again, he, he's been rumored to want to come to the Knicks for a while. Well, not come to the Knicks, but Knicks chasing him for a while. What do you read on that? Well, OG's situation, I think, comes down more to the contract extension dilemma because now with the new CBA, they can offer him more money, but I still don't know if that's going to be enough. And that's where it gets murky. Um, with OG also, are you going to give up? The, you know, they've rejected proposals of three first-round picks. That's a lot for a guy that's not been an all-star. Right. You know, to me – and this is not a knock on OG, but I think if you're the Knicks, your pecking order needs to be treasure chest for Joel Embiid. A lot of the cupboard, you know, you'd have to give for Donovan or, or Carl Towns. If you're going down to OG, who's a good a good two-way player, very high caliber starting player, all-star, hasn't shown that yet. I think that would be... I don't, it's not that it's a reach, but it's, it's, I don't think it's maximizing your assets if you're going that route. I think, you know, he'd be a good asset and a good player, but not, not the ideal scenario for the Knicks. Not even, I don't think second or third. Absolutely. Got you. Got you, Mike. Thank you so much for joining mm -hmm. us today. You gave us a lot of great gems. I'm sure, I'm sure right now people are clipping that Emmanuel quickly thing and posting it all over the place. If they don't, I will. Uh, that is one of, the, uh, one of the best things I think I could have heard. That was the one thing you scared me about this summer, so I'm so happy. I mean, I, go ahead. It's still consistent with like what Ian Begley and I were talking about on the Hoopside podcast. I don't. I, I understand, Troy. I, I'll leave you with this. I, I understand yeah. the point about the playoffs did not go you know, the way you would have wanted, ideally. But yeah. we're talking a, you know, a handful of games. The guy still got value around the league. The what dictates the free market, I know he's not a free agent, but free agency I'm talking about. Right. Um, I know he would be restricted, but 
It's the value that other teams perceive the player. That's what dictates the market. And he's got enough suitors, I believe, that, you know, have him on their radar. You know, of course, there's no tampering. Remember that, no tampering. But, you know, I think that certainly um, there are enough teams that would want Emmanuel quickly that'll drive his price up. And again, we'll see. You know, again, the Knicks would like it closer to 20. Quick would like more. Just the nature of negotiation. Maybe they come somewhere in the middle. But um, quickly is also a key trade ship that they can use, too. So that's, that's exactly why the, the contract of, being, being one of the dominoes. Right. The con- that's why I'm saying the contract for me has to be fair in that regard, because if you do that and you start and you start him as well, too, which I don't think is going to happen, but he'll probably play enough minutes where he'll get starter type minutes. If that happens, I think it increases his value. The Knicks want to do that anyways to get the star trade happening. Um, I agree with you there. Uh, whether that happens or not, who that star will be is anybody's guess. I have it as Donovan Mitchell as being the most realistic, but we don't know what Joel Embiid will do. So who knows? Uh, but Mike Scotto, please follow him. You see his at on screen. Follow him. Make sure you read all his uh, stuff in terms of his podcast stuff, the articles that he writes. I cover almost uh, all the Knicks stuff daily. And if I see a Scotto article or interview, he's the number one person that I click on because his reporting for me is always straight to the point. Never a lot of the flutter or the fluff. He goes straight to the point. And honestly, Mike, I think a lot of people love that in your writing. I appreciate that. I do try to, I'm not on a word count. I'm on, you know, that's not my, I'm not here to just fill space in a page, but I do appreciate it. Uh, Appreciate those. You know, I definitely got a decent number of Knicks fans and, you know, that have followed over the years. I appreciate it. Just hit uh, 50,000 the other day. Thank you, everybody. I do appreciate it. And, you know, we'll keep, we'll keep rocking. It's going to be a fun year. So I'm looking forward to it for me, year 13. So it's, uh, you're a vet now. Are you getting the better minimum still, now? Did he, did you get did you qualify for the vet minimum at this point? I I'd like to think I got a, I I get paid a lot more than I would say a mid level exception. I'm 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 in a good Ooh. spot, thankfully. And All right. Even though, even though it's year thirteen, I still got some young legs. I'm only thirty four. I, I still got some young legs to me. Hey hey, listen man, listen. I I spoke with a lot of people. You seem to have the most energy out of everybody. So I can tell that uh, I can see your youth coming at you. But again, guys. Please help me again. Say thank you to Mike Scotto for giving us some of his time. Didn't have to do this. Dropping some gems, some insider information. The edited video for this is going to be up very, very soon. I'm going to take some live questions as well after we, after we get Mike out of here just to get some more questions from you guys, from the fans. Uh, but again, thank you, Mike. So, so thankful for everything that you do, not only for the NBA, for the Knicks and all your reporting. A lot of people say that's a job that doesn't get a lot of thanks, but I just want to go ahead and say personally, thank you so much for it. I appreciate it, Troy. Thanks for the thanks for the kind words. It was a pleasure to join you, and we'll do it again down the line. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, guys, you'll see me very, very soon. Mike, we're good, man. Thank you so much. Really appreciate everything you did for us. Um, we'll have you on again, man. Have a good day.